0: hello and welcome everyone welcome Matt thank you welcome to episode 12 the last in our season one head-to-head matchups and it is a doozy
1: Mm -hmm.
0: for anyone new to the program what we do here is match up immortal gods in head-to-head contest for a chance at the ultimate comeback to help this troubled world and this episode we have the king and queen of the greco-roman gods zeus and hera so a bit of a confession though here at the top the fates did give us zeus and hera in a matchup, but actually they gave us that after our first episode mm. and matt and i looked at each other and we pretty quickly decided decided that we were not prepared for <laughs> no. that jelly <laughs> no <laughs> not quite no. so the fates cannot be denied, only delayed. That's so, right. ready or not, that jelly has arrived. <laughs> this is that episode. So, now, if you followed the, sh- if you have followed the show so far, and are familiar with our uh, format, you know that this is not the first time that Zeus and Hera have squared off. Far from it, no. in our show. In fact, as uh, husband and wife, and brother and sister, of course yes uh as well as co-regents their stories <laughs> and conflicts are are very intertwined uh so much so that we decided to change the format just a little bit right uh so our usual order is that one of us will introduce the god tell them some of their stories get the background and then uh the other host will go uh but this time uh they're just too intertwined so we're going to do a little bit more of a back and forth but then we're going to go on to our our same five Judgment categories so, as I said, this is the final head to head of the season next episode will be the start of our season finals. And the penultimate episode where we will narrow down to the final two who will square off with all new categories which we will introduce next episode to help us make our final decision and get the final golden goat winner that we will invite back to help us save the world so. You had something else you wanted to add before we kick right into it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you captured it well. I think this is we're calling this the regular season finale before the playoffs begin. It does feel like everything's been adding up to this. Zeus and Hera have been delightful co-stars in nearly every episode, but now they really earn this moment to shine together. And it feels right. I mean, their conflict and and their love in in a strange (laughs) combination fuels a lot of our stories, many of which we've covered through the season. We'll touch on them lightly, but we'll hear some new material tonight Uh, about how some of the the stories behind the stories about what makes them such a special couple and they are something of a package deal i think almost almost inseparable and yet they deserve the showcase uh during this regular season finale so very excited to bring this to you it's all been building up to this uh one note i do want to make is i've been asked by a few listeners why 12 episodes in the regular season and you know it's a nice it's a nice wholesome roundish number. Um, It felt right for us for a a few reasons. Number one, of course, it is the number of of the 12 Olympians, you know, we featured many divine beings beyond the Olympians, but the 12, the core 12 represents a big number. So we thought thought that worked. Also, of course, 12 gives us the dozen. So a holy number there um, gives us the 12 cycles of the moon each year. Uh, And it forms the formation, of course, as we all know, of the duodecimal system based in 12s brought to us by the Mesopotamians, They came up with that because there was a way to count to 12 by counting each finger bone in your thumb in order to keep track of things. Now, it did make me think, all due respect to our Mesopotamian forefathers and and foremothers, if you had to come up with a way to count (laughs) with your fingers, of which we have 10, right? uh, I feel like there was a a more natural way of going about that. But they stuck with 12. I don't want to get too deep in it. It's a a slippery slope. I don't want to be accused (laughs) of championing the metric system. I'm going to stick nope. to pounds, ounces, furlongs, fortnights. Thank you very much. But yes. in any case, 12 has been a holy number. It has occasionally been bastardized with the baker's dozen, which, of course, is 13. And I learned the Texas dozen, which is 15. Oh, really? Texas, I guess. Yeah, because Texas. had to be yeah. bigger. Yeah. So there's our 12. Uh, let's jump in at last with, with all the preamble out there. And let's get it going. God versus God, episode Twelve, Zeus versus Hera, and as always, Andrew, may the best god win. Yes, indeed. Now you had a you had a confession uh, at the at the beginning. I want to yes, make a did. little one, a little quick personal story myself, a quick prelude. Um, I confess, and I don't want to have a bias here, but one of these contestants does have a special place in my heart because of my life story. Uh, <laughs> think you know? I was raised in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, in that church, we reach confirmation, which of course is the sacra, sacrament. Are you literally record. in a church? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was in one for years at a time. Was never struck by lightning. It happened, uh, but we have the sacraf- sacramental rite of admission into the church. That's that's confirmation. It's sort of the the entry into adulthood. And Catholics, when they get confirmed, get to choose a confirmation name. So you get to you choose a name that's added to your own name. Um, very exciting. I considered lots of options, and since I was about I think twelve or thirteen at the time, I made the natural choice, and I requested, "I'm going to go with Zeus." <laughs> that seemed fitting. I liked the power. I liked the, the, just the majesty of, of the king of the gods. The good priests and the nuns of St. Thomas the Apostle gently, uh, but firmly replied that for some reason, pagan gods were not eligible for for, for that. that. Yeah, so I had to choose a different one. Um, I ended up with Adrian, mainly because I just kind of thought it was a cool name. But I yeah. did learn later that St. Adrian happens to be the patron saint of soldiers. So I appreciate that. I'm also the patron saint of, and this is true, of prison guards, arms dealers, butchers, <laughs> and communications phenomena. Now, since I ended up right. as a communications professional, I feel like this must have been somewhat prophetic. Uh, must have been in the cards. Uh, it seems fitting. Uh, perhaps right. this sets the table for an eventual kind of transition into a second career as a, an arms dealer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So... Uh, we know prophecies play a big role in this program and why should yeah. they be in a in our real life? So I'll, we'll stop there. Hold off additional details for our inevitable spinoff, Saint versus Saint. Yes. Uh, but for now uh, to leave that part, it is also worth noting the Catholic church does recognize the feast day of St. Adrian one day a year. And that is the very day we're recording this September 8th. What do you know about that? Amazing. Circle of life. Fated to comes be. Together. Yes. Right. The fates are resonating wildly with us. <laughs> So enough about the saints, let's get to where, what the good people wanna hear about. Let's get to the gods, let's get to Zeus. So king of the gods, god of gods, god of lightning, god of thunder, the original god of thunder, sorry, Thor, but he got here (laughs) first. Uh, And the the god of law, order, and justice. Now that's right. You peel back all the well-known aspects of Zeus, the leadership position among the Olympians, all the lightning and the thunder. He's also the god of both law and order which I was not aware Now You may be aware, Andrew, that the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate, yet equally important groups. (laughs) Uh, It turns out Zeus rules over them both. So not only is he one of the 12 original Olympians, the the founder of the body, he essentially serves as the chairman of the board. You know, Zeus is on the org chart, one step above everybody, his siblings, his offspring. You know, my dad used to say, everybody has a boss except the Pope. Uh, I guess Zeus would end up being the other exception. So, right. Does that make Zeus and the Pope kind of colleagues, partners, (laughs) (laughs) frenemies? I don't know. Dotted line relationship. It's very hard to say. Uh, The Roman equivalent of Zeus is Jupiter, also known as Jove, which in my view, way better nickname than Jupe or Jupey, (laughs) big big Jube. But Zeus is known as the Sky Father, the the All Father, the chief of the gods. He's the one who assigned the roles to all the other gods, told them what they're responsible for, called the shots. We know him in that primary symbol of the thunderbolt. And as we've heard throughout this season, that's his go-to weapon in any number of circumstances in battle to settle personal matters. The thunderbolt is definitely his go-to. Also seen surrounded by the Eagle for, for reasons we'll hear about a little bit later Uh, the bull and Oak. And he's typically seen in one of three poses. He's either just standing there kind of being, being Zeus. Yeah. He is striding forward with a thunderbolt in his raised right hand, so just right there, ready to shake things up, or simply seated in majesty, just just reigning over yeah. his, his creation. Uh, now, Zeus's early days are going to be very familiar to listeners of this program. We will go into extreme detail. It's come up a few times, but we'll all recall he is, of course, hidden away by his mother Rhea from his father Cronus, who had swallowed all of his all of Zeus's five older siblings, so they could not overthrow him. And now we know that with the help of the ocean nymph Metis, Zeus causes Cronus to then disgorge all of his brothers and sisters. He frees the imprisoned Cyclopes who give him his thunderbolt as a, as a thank you gift. He ultimately leads one war against the Titans and another right afterward against the giants. So has a very triumphant beginning wins both those big wars, yeah. sets up shop in Olympus and just rules the, the roost from there. Now, We know he is known, Zeus is, for his erotic escapades. We've talked about that uh, in a great deal. We'll we'll certainly touch on some of them here. I want to point out, though, in his defense, Zeus is not all about the infidelities. Uh, In fact, Hesiod tells us he was married or is married in impressive seven different times uh, throughout his his early life. And with a little more research, that's a feat that really did set the bar for a lot of powerful people throughout the centuries, even into our own living memory. I mean, you got Jerry Lee Lewis, he was married to seven <laughs> wives, six of which were not the, his 13-year-old cousin. It's important to point that out. Yeah. Uh, the great Richard Pryor had seven wives. And both Elizabeth Taylor and Larry King were both married eight times, but to seven different people,
1: Okay, neither of which was the other. So just so we're keeping track. <laughs> so a
2: lot of great, great tradition of the of the seven spouses. Um, he starts, Zeus does, with, with Metis, who I just mentioned. She was the one who helped him and his scheme to make Cronus vomit up those elder siblings. So he shows his appreciation to this this young nymph by making her his first wife. Great start, very exciting. Happy couple is just about ready to start their own family. And as you'll recall from episode six, much like his own father, Zeus gets a disturbing prophecy that his new bride will bear extremely powerful children. First, a daughter who's wiser than her mother, and then the second, a son who's more powerful than his father. Now the men in this family, that prophecy is going to be a bit of a red flag. And, and Zeus is no exception. So you may recall that shortly after Zeus impregnates his wife Metis, he has cold feet, turns her into a fly, uh, then swallows her whole, and of course has a subsequent headache, leads to Athena being born by springing fully formed out of his, out of his forehead, ready for battle. Um, this is the point where I think Zeus really begins a pivot from this sort of conqueror hero type to just kind of a purveyor of shenanigans, doing things right. like changing it to a fly. Uh, This particular one is a good first shenanigan. Of course, it gives us the goddess of wisdom. It helps Zeus avoid the birth of that son who might overthrow him by swallowing that first wife. Um, But the whole tale just kind of suggests, as a husband, some auspicious beginnings for for Zeus, I'd say. Um, But, you know, he, he doesn't give up. He tries again, goes for round two, branches out and marries his aunt. So a little closer to home, Themis, who gives birth to the Horae, the seasons, and the Moirae, the Fates, which you covered in episode five. Yep. So seasons are out, the fates are out. Next time he goes back to the to the oceanic nymphs and and marries Euryineme, who gives him the three charities or the three graces. So now again, peopling the world with very important entities, very important divine beings. For his next marriage, he's really moving quickly and he takes it closer to home, marries his sister. So it goes straight to, to Demeter, of course, would be goddess of the harvest. Right who gives him a daughter in Persephone which is again a lovely story for this new young budding family until a little later where he ends up allowing his brother Hades to kidnap her down to the underworld for a while so already showing some not just questionable husband skills but also just really the
0: questionable judgment
2: questionable judgment in terms of being a father but he tries again he goes to to wife number 5 it goes back to another another of his aunts so Nemesy who who gives birth to the nine muses uh, of course, we recall from uh, I think the previous episode, episode eleven, he disguises himself as a shepherd, has relations with her nine consecutive nights, one for each muse, All right, and gives birth to the muses. So, by most accounts, the sixth slot is going to go to Leto, who of course bears uh, the mighty twins Apollo, who's his favorite son, and Artemis. Um, so. Throughout this, Zeus is really working hard. He's setting the table. He's populating the divine world, getting his extended family out there, the seasons, the fates, the charities, a few Olympians in the mix. At the same time, he has not found the kind of eternal love that I think he, he's longing for. So the marriages come and go. Right. He's not finding lasting love. For a lot of great men, it just, it takes a few tries. You know, could be Zeus, could be Jerry Lee Lewis. It, sometimes yeah. it's a process. So it's as many as seven times. But for wife number seven, once he's finally matured and found himself, he does save the best for last. He, he marries his seventh and final wife, the divine being who would become the queen of the gods, the one and only Hera herself. And with that introduction of Zeus, I will hand it back to you, Andrew, to tell us a little bit about Hera and where she comes from.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Well, that's some, some, some yeah, that's some interesting stories there just to start us off. But so Hera, Hera is, of course, the queen of the gods. Uh, but in addition to that, she is both the goddess of the heavens, and she is the goddess of marriage, yeah.
2: um,
0: as well as childbirth. She is, however, not the goddess of motherhood, mm. and not the goddess of love, as we'll see. <laughs> so, in terms of etymology, uh, there's you know not a real clear meaning uh, or origin to Hera, but uh, the most interesting theory that I found is that is. Basically, just a title that means mistress or lady. Mm. So it's more of an honorific. And uh, on the Roman side, her name, of course, was Juno, uh, which also doesn't have a really clear origin, but it's likely related to rejuvenation or fertility. Mm -hmm. Mm So both those things come at us. And then, you know, as we noted before, Hera and Zeus, of course, were brother and sister before they were man and wife. Right. Um, And, as we've said many times, Hera was swallowed by her father, Cronus, as an infant, Mm -hmm. you know, and at some point she was freed, which we'll talk about in a little bit later, but it's unclear what state of childhood development or emotional development she was at at that point, but we are told that the Titan god Oceanus, who was just basically... The ocean right right and his wife uh tethys acted as her foster parents and she often referred to them as as her parents in uh in the mythology so one last thing in this segment that i i did want to note that hera or juno of religious practice is a little bit different from the myths and literary versions of the goddess that we that we get so Mm. in literature anger and wrath are basically her not only her go to moves, but those that's pretty much her range of emotions,
2: yeah. yeah. It's a go to, uh, yeah.
0: Very limited exceptions, but in the religious aspect, it's a little bit more varied. So, one thing we're going to talk about as we go along is what degree is Hera just getting, you know, a bad edit mm. in these stories. I mean, I? you know, a very, very, very bad edit, <laughs> and there's a lot, a lot of material to work with, but it is, um you know there's some other aspects to it, at least when we look at the religious practice so okay you know try and keep an open mind even though I, we've I heard did. a lot about it so far so um and we talked about their, you know you let us right up to their marriage and I'm going to go a little bit back into kind of their their wooing
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and up to that marriage so courtship yeah. yes the courtship yeah so pretty much all really great love stories have something of a, a meet cute Mm-hmm. uh you know we're kind of a maybe silly or embarrassing situation that brings them together and makes for a funny story and, and Zeus and Hera of course are no exception uh you know they first meet just as Hera was regurgitated mm-hmm. by their father and what a time uh, to get together that's just yes. unexpected <laughs> comes out stream stream of vomit along with our other siblings after Zeus had slipped uh their father that that vomit potion right so but presumably you know after a little bit of cleanup of the titan bile uh Hera <laughs> was said to be the most beautiful of goddesses and rivaled even aphrodite wow um so naturally enough uh she catches zeus's eye sure um now their mother Rhea was not particularly keen on her two children dating which mm. you know to be fair didn't end up so great for rhea when she married her brother cronus (laughs) she speaks from experience yeah yeah she did. so so due to this opposition uh from her mother hera initially rejected zeus and we probably this is in the time where he's he's trying out those other marriages but zeus was undeterred he is nothing uh if if not persistent yes Uh, so we're told that he desired hera for 300 years Wow. So he so major, major crushing. Uh and driven on by this attraction, and in some accounts, uh by the More sisters or the Fates, mm-hmm. uh, Zeus enlists one of his deceptions that we're gonna hear much more about. And he also enlists the help of Aphrodite, mm. um, who helps him in exchange for some benefits for her favorite town of of Beirut, apparently. So <laughs> At the time. Yeah. Um, so Zeus brings about a big storm, uh, which is to drive Hera into a cave for protection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, according to one version, just sort of by happenstance, there happens to be a mortal dude who's already in the cave. Just hanging out there. He's there. hanging out yeah. there. Yep. He was also driven in from the storm, and, and his name is Achilles. Now, he's not the Achilles, of course, of the Trojan War, but just. Right guy happens to have the same name sure same name maybe it was a popular name back then (laughs) um so this mortal guy decides to act as Zeus's wingman he's heard rumors that Zeus is interested in Hera Mm -hmm. and, and he makes the case for Hera why she should hook up with Zeus all right and apparently Achilles is very very persuasive because after 300 years Hera is convinced by this guy in the cave so uh Now Zeus apparently doesn't know about this, so he still goes through with his plan and he transforms himself into a cuckoo bird. Yes. Um, And knowing that Hera is very fond of animals, seeing the distressed bird, she takes him in and shelters him, uh, which is, you know, well enough of an opening for old Zeus. Mm -hmm. And he gets in there, though, unbeknownst to him, she may have already been convinced by Achilles, so.
2: So the groundwork was laid, but the cuckoo bird was the perfect sort of vehicle for the introduction.
0: Yeah, so that was kind of a second meet cute for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so not sure what Achilles did, you know, during the divine lovemaking. <laughs> uh, one assumes that he left the cave uh, out into the storm, <laughs> right? Uh, because we know that seeing Zeus's true form or seeing a naked goddess both can be extremely Extremely fatal.
2: Yes. It's very, very, very deadly. You don't want to look upon that uh, in its pure form.
0: Yes. But uh, after the event, apparently Achilles comes back and he asks Zeus, he says, you know, how about a little something for the effort? <laughs> and, and, and Zeus says, oh, there'll be no money. But long after you're, you were dead, I will make another guy <laughs> with the same name as you really <laughs> oh, famous. <laughs> so not even a constellation like the least you could do oh but but he had that going for him which was nice so thanks a lot <laughs> so back back to Hera and zeus uh you know after this getting together uh herod demands that they get married and zeus complies so and the marriage of course is a lavish affair um all the gods and all the creatures of earth are invited and by one account, the reception itself lasts for three thousand years. Three thousand years. Now that 8, is that's a not...
2: serious bar tab.
0: Yeah, that is. So you know, while that, maybe that was a bit of poetic hyperbole, but it's probably a good thing, as you said, that Cronus had died already because the bill <laughs> yeah, would right. would have done it anyway. <laughs> so, um, and one one more thing, one uh, wedding gift that is notable for us, uh, Gaia, who was there, I believe. Hera's grandmother and is the Earth primordial uh, gave her a whole tree of golden apples as a wedding Mm -hmm. gift, and this tree was on an island in the far west, guarded by a combo of a serpent, dragon, thing, and a couple of nymphs known as the Hesperides. And it was the glowing of these golden apples that was the said to be the source. Of the golden light of sunset to every evening celebrate the wedding of hera and zeus wow so
2: some that's the gift that keeps on giving right there
0: yeah so we're we're gonna probably hear that maybe some evenings that golden light probably felt a little bit bittersweet to old hera (laughs) but uh that that is uh how they got together so (laughs) yes all right i think we're gonna take our first break now
2: yeah, I, I, to close that thought on the wedding, what do you? I was going to ask what the proper gift is for a seventh wedding. I guess you've answered <laughs> that with the, with the sunset. Yeah. I think your wedding present. You're gonna you're gonna at least for the groom. You're going to sort of diminish your your, your gift giving as you get deeper into those. But uh, very generous of the grandmother to go with that. I, I also could not but wonder. You know, does Zeus invite his ex wives to this wedding? You know, just out of a gesture, because you think at least a couple of ants are probably going to be there anyway. You know, right. who are also his wives <laughs> and sister. Yeah. A common sister is also going to be there. So the one he turned into a fly, probably not going to make it. But that guest <laughs> list is going to get really complicated. So yeah. no wonder it took 3000 years to, to hash it all out. A lot of uh, a lot of potential for discord there. So I'm glad it all yes, worked it out. OK, so, yes, let us take our pause there. Uh, and we're going to hear from another podcast here from our friends at Myth Monsters. So Myth Monsters is is a bite-sized look at the monsters of global global folklore and mythology all the way from the United Kingdom. It is hosted by Erin, who is a self-confessed mythology addict, and she covers a range of monsters from Gorgons to Kelpies, Wendigos to Bigfoot, even one of my favorites, the Jackalope. So she gives these nice little 15 to 20 minute episodes, new one every Thursday, way more disciplined, Andrew. I <laughs> much more, yes. Um, and frankly, at the 15 to 20 minute range, much more respectful for the listener's <laughs> valuable time. So uh, let's hear from Aaron about Myth Monsters and we'll get you back on the other side of this. Take it away, Aaron.
1: Hello and welcome to Myth Monsters. I'm Erin, a self-confessed mythology addict and occasionally scholar. Myth Monsters focuses on the monsters of global folklore and mythology with sometimes a cryptid thrown in once or twice We go from looking at jackalopes, to gorgons, to wendigos, to bigfoot, from dwarves to elves, and honestly, everything in between. Why should I listen to this podcast over any other mythology podcast out there? Well, we're only 15 to 20 minutes long, so we're perfect in time for your little commute. And also, we focus on a different culture and monster every single week, a real in-depth look into modern media, where they're found in films, TV, video games and books, and also the origin, description, and if I believe they existed. So it's perfect for any short trips or if you're into any specific monsters that you fancy. So come join the fun every Thursday and stay spooky, babes.
2: All right, we're back. And as we mentioned up front, we're going to talk about the infidelities of Zeus and and sort of the the wrath of Hera in response to that. Uh, Of course, Zeus very well known for, for those erotic escapades, but you know, as we've heard, being on the lustier side, not uncommon among the ancient gods. He just sort right. of took the art and and took it to a different level, perfected it, if you like. Um, and I would say when it comes to those infidelities, you know, again, he was married seven times, seven wives, so several wives before Hera came along, but really sets the ultimate standard in terms of of both just the, the sheer volume of erotic escapades, but also, I would argue, perhaps even to his credit, the pure creativity of how he gets it done. Right. The guy you know, rarely plays the same card twice, really keeps coming to the table with new ideas to satisfy uh, his lusty appetites. So you'll recall, you alluded to it, Andrew, way back in episode one, to see a god, particularly Zeus, in his pure form, just too much to handle. You don't want to see the full godhood uh, with the, holding the lightning bolts, go full Zeus as we've described it. Right. Uh, it's too much for a mortal to handle. And of course, the mortal princess, Samil, did try that. Uh, asked for the full Zeus in the middle of their courtship. He warned her not to touch those lightning bolts. And as soon as she did, of course, she was turned to ash and burned immediately. Um, And this is where where Zeus's creativity comes to play. He has to take on different forms to to, to not present himself as the full Zeus, to to woo the targets of his desires, to don any number of these lusty disguises, which really become his his kind of signature. Uh, So we've we've covered some of those instances in the past on the program. You just mentioned His delightful and and adorable appearance as a cuckoo bird uh, to to reign in Hera. Um, An odd choice, but clearly ultimately very effective. Um, We also talked in episode eight about how Zeus took on the form of Amphitryon, the war hero, on the very night that that general was about to come home victorious from war. Zeus shows up an hour early, disguised as him, beds his fiance, Alcmene, impregnates her with what would turn out to be Heracles, and then just disappears into the night. So, Pretty shameless in his, right. his choice of a target of what to emulate, um, but I would say these kind of scratch the surface when it comes to his willingness to to transform in the interest of uh, of, of getting busy. So, Zeus becomes an eagle uh, in order to abduct the nymph Aegina. Uh, he flies her to an island, grasps her with his talons, takes her to, away to an island to have his way with her. Um, Aegina's father finds out and pursues them, but Zeus throws down his thunderbolts anyway to chase the father away. So it's really, a, it's quite a striking tableau. He's, he's flying in the air as an eagle. He's carrying his abductee with one talon. He's issuing thunderbolts with the other one. Uh, it's a pretty impressive, just sort of multitasking move there. And I'm sure that, that even uh, even Aegina was won over by by that level of skill. Like, you know, sure, Zeus, you, you abducted me, but you really went the extra mile. You really, you're showing me a lot of, of skill here. Right. Uh, later on, he decides to try turning into a satyr in order to have his way with the beautiful Antiope, Now, a was a little confusing to me at first. I thought, what would she find attractive about a, a half-man, half-goat? But I read a little deeper and realized that Zeus wasn't always really great about the whole consent thing. He was just yeah. sort of using the satyr to overpower her. So loses some points there. But as far as yeah. we know, the first instance of being a satyr was his, his creation to achieve that goal. Uh, he gets even more creative uh, in order to abduct a sopsis He becomes a flame. So somehow fire was a great uh, seduction technique. Um, In an instance of of his versatility in the seduction of Callisto, uh, she was a follower of Artemis, of course, the goddess of the hunt. And by some sources, Zeus transformed into Artemis herself in order to seduce the lovely Callisto. And I don't know if that that may have come up in, in a previous episode. I couldn't recall. It is a fascinating picture. So Callisto thinks she is sleeping with the goddess that she worships who is in fact Zeus and somehow in that coupling still ends up getting pregnant right so you know Zeus exceedingly fecund even in female form and can't help but impregnate uh, callisto now in an example of hera's rage we've heard many but this is a good a good good instance of her wrath she discovers this gets furious and transforms callisto into a bear now zeus feels bad about this at first as a consolation prize uh, Zeus then Zeus then sets her into the stars and she becomes the constellation Ursa Major, the great bear. Right. So starting a pattern where Hera doesn't like what she sees in Zeus's behavior and takes it out on the mistress rather than Zeus himself. Uh, right. And the bear was just one example of that. We also have the case of the princess Dene. And this was a new one to me. So she her father is King Acrisius. Uh, and he learns from the Oracle of Delphi that surprise, surprise, he would someday be killed by his daughter's son. So he does everything he can to make sure that his daughter, Danae, the princess, does not have any means of of reproducing. So the king locks her away. He builds a custom chamber underneath his palace. No windows, no doors, just a skylight to let in light and air. Now Danae is very beautiful. Zeus has his eye on her. He's heard great things. And he transforms himself into a form of golden rain. Which then streams through the roof as a leak into her chamber, and then right. with very impressive and precise aim, right into her womb. So, Zeus in rain form really hits right. the jackpot there. That ends up soon after leading to the hero Perseus, who is born and okay. eventually, of course, does fulfill the prophecy, although not in the manner that you would expect. King Acrisius dies while he's a spectator at an athletic competition. Perseus accidentally hits him in the head with his javelin. Wow. So after all that effort, it's a freak javelin incident that doesn't in. That's with after the fates nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. The end result was what they said, but you just you never can tell. Right. Uh, I think we've alluded to this before. Zeus later than seduces Europa uh by taking the form of a very attractive bull. Uh, and not just overpowering her, but being such an attractive bull that uh that Europa is taken by him. She sort of you know strokes his neck, jumps on his back, and once she's there, uh Zeus takes takes over, swims over to Crete with her on his back, and after he takes care of business, he then, to his credit, makes her the first queen of the island of Crete. So he shows okay. his appreciation after that uh, that bull rendezvous. Uh, another disguise that I can't make much of. Uh, in order to woo Eury Medusa, he transforms himself into an ant. No, <laughs> no further information as to <laughs> why that anything was up from how it worked. So I don't have a biology lesson on that for you, uh, but it is part of his, uh, his, his bag of tricks, apparently. Uh, being successful as the eagle once, he, Zeus brings it back, he becomes an eagle again to pursue uh, Ganymede, who is a young man considered the most beautiful of mortal men. So Zeus showing he's, he's got, again, some range, uh, erotically takes the occasional male lover. Not only that, but he ultimately made him his cupbearer. So, you know, you love me as an eagle, now you get to pour my wine. So, you know, a nice little <laughs> ongoing relationship there. Uh, Zeus then also later on becomes a lapwing, which is a kind of bird, uh, to woo Lamia. But again, Hera gets involved. And then in her wrath uh, decides to to make her insane in retribution for that affair. Now, Lamia had had a couple of children with Zeus. So in this maddened state, she devours her own children, eats them in that madness, becomes a wow. demon, Um in a consolation prize, and again, Zeus has this way of sort of saying, yeah, that's bad, but I'll, I'll help you out in the back end. So in that consolation prize, Zeus gives her the ability to take out her eyes and then reinsert them. <laughs> again, not people try to grasp it, while, what the logic may have been there. Yeah. Some suspect that, that that they think it was because when Hera drove her mad, she also gave her insomnia, which is classic Hera, like <laughs> as though being driven insane to devour your own children isn't bad enough and you're not gonna be able to sleep. So Zeus (laughs) as that sort of parting gift says, well, at least you can take your eyes out and maybe get a little shut-eye that way. Very strange, Uh, but again, classic Hera in in every way. Final instance, Zeus also becomes a swan to seduce Leda. Um, And what makes this notable is after that union, Leda becomes pregnant, but because she was impregnated by Zeus as a swan, she lays eggs. Uh, the, the, so, right, <laughs> there are right. two eggs uh, one and ends up containing Helen of Troy and Clytemnestra and the other egg contains uh, the great heroes Castor and Pollux so again the biology here is not clear the, <laughs> the, the swan fathering the children but the woman laying the eggs you know it was a different ball game back then Right. now you look at all these disguises and you take all these sort of creative pursuits that Zeus brings to the table you learn a couple things about his erotic life I think first of all he always does find a way to succeed. Even if it resorts you know, if it resorts to shady means, he definitely he gets what he comes for. Um, but second, whatever form he takes, he does seem to almost always impregnate his lover slash abductee. Right. Um, and again, this is where the wrath of Hera really comes in. Now we've talked at length about how Hera will stop at nothing to exact revenge against Zeus through the mistresses, through even the children of these illicit unions. Uh, we've, we've covered these before in the past. She, of course, prevents Leto from giving birth to the twins Apollo and Artemis on solid ground, so they have to do it right. uh, in, a, in in some kind of tree. Uh, she rubs that potion on Aphrodite's midsection while she's pregnant, so her baby Priapus would be born with history's first uh, four-hour uh, erection, I suppose. Um, she gives Heracles a lifetime of misery, first trying to stop him from even coming out of the birth canal and then sending the snakes to his crib and, and beyond that. And as we even heard in the previous episode in episode 11 um, deprives Echo from, from the the power of speech simply because she kind of talked too much. Um, So clearly willing to take on the, 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 those around Zeus's affair as an extension of him. There are a couple of minor examples of Hera's wrath apart from Zeus's philandering that she kind of, she was wrathful, I guess, on her own. Um, You hear the story when Garana, who was the queen of the pygmies, uh, says she's more beautiful than Hera. Well, of course, you know in this world that that never works. That's that's no, hubris. hubris that cannot be abided, yes. Uh, so Hera not only turns Garana into a crane, that sort of big lanky bird, but also declares that all of Garana's bird descendants through the years will then wage eternal war against the pygmies. So really playing the long game here. Not only wow, am I going yeah. to change you to a bird, but those birds will be the enemies of your people throughout time. Like the pygmies didn't have it rough enough to begin with. Now they got to deal with the cranes. Right. So sometimes Hera would dish out the wrath kind of on her own. And other times she would keep it simple. Um, we mentioned the wedding of uh, Zeus and Hera before. When the nymph Shalone refused to attend that wedding, Hera responded by turning her into a tortoise. That's it. One and done. Keep it simple. Yep. Uh, didn't make that mistake twice. So suffice it to say, the majority of Hera's rage is devoted to trying to curb in ways she could uh, the lust of her husband, Zeus. And despite her best efforts, he does continue to multiply again and again, of course, has this family tree that is quite uh, the tangled forest. So, so with that, speaking of offspring, Andrew, why don't you take us then through the children uh, of Hera, both with and without the king of the gods, Zeus. Yeah. So, you know, Hera,
0: naturally is is not as fecund as her husband nor as roaming (laughs) uh, but no one is. But Zeus was home enough nights for them to have at least a couple of children uh, actually together. So how many is actually a little bit controversial? Oh, Uh, for both Hera's sons, Ares and Hephaestus, uh, which we covered in episodes one and three, uh, there are stories for each of them uh, they were born to Hera alone, and they were not, in fact, Zeus's sons. That's right. Um, now we don't know the truth of either of them. This is this is one of those cold cases controversies. <laughs> uh, but in both cases, it was said to respond to Athena's parthenogenesis, and mm-hmm. she wanted to respond with a little parthenogenesis of her own. Yes. Uh, so you know, I'm particularly was fond of the Ares version. Uh, which was in Ovid's uh, Fasti, uh, which you may recall, the the flower goddess Flora uh, gives Hera a magic flower to induce pregnancy after she first tests it on a cow, uh, <laughs> sees that it works, and then uh, uses it on Hera, and, and that's how we get it. Harry's. But I should say that the most common formula, the most common story was that Hephaestus was the one uh, born via Parthenogenesis, and Ares probably was uh, Zeus's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, when we get to Hephaestus and Hera had kind of a tempestuous relationship, which you may recall, she cast him out of Olympus you know, because when he was born, he didn't really look the, the part of a god, didn't look how she thought he should. So she casts him out and throws him down and he's raised in a cave, um, but then he comes back, traps her in the throne uh, in order to return to Olympus. But the story I don't think we did cover then is that Hephaestus also later tries to rescue Hera. Hmm. when she has been imprisoned by zeus uh for her first attempt to kill heracles hmm. so he kind of comes back a little bit on on mom's side there uh, and of course in that story then uh it is zeus who throws him off of, off of olympus right. for a second time <laughs> so and i did to I also mention uh for their two daughters because they had the the four children uh, who haven't come up as prominently in our season so far. And the first one was Hebe, who hmm. is the goddess of youth. And then Aletheia, who was the goddess of childbirth. Now, Hebe is kind of interesting. She served as an assistant to Hera, kind of her squire. And she was, for a time, the cupbearer of the gods yep. until she was displaced by Ganymede. There you go. So, um, and then and then, later, um she is said to marry Heracles after his apotheosis, mm. uh, who was, of course, her half brother, right. uh, so taking after her parents and grandparents.
2: <laughs> the family tradition, if you will,
0: and great grandparents so <laughs> <laughs> for that one all right, And so I think you know, we've covered a lot of their myths together. I think you've got a couple myths for Zeus. Uh, that are not involving Hera or his infidelities.
2: That's right. Uh, you know uh, that we we've heard many of, of of the greatest hits. Uh, you know throughout the season, a lot of the first eleven episodes, you know, most factor in with creative means of seduction, as we just discussed. We also about heard him you know here to killing his grandson Asclepius with a thunderbolt back in episode ten because Asclepius was teaching mortals resurrection, which of course is very yep. bad for the god business. But in the middle of that, right away. Uh, We talked about how he observed the poor chariot work of Phaethon, the son of Helios, the sun god, back in episode six. Of course, Phaethon took out the old man's chariot, essentially driving the sun itself, and was unable to control it. He would either go too high, which could freeze the earth, or too low, which could burn everything. Um, So Zeus, as we'll recall, responded to history's worst student driver by killing him (laughs) with a thunderbolt, Uh, but in his logic, then saving the world. Yeah. Um, of course, we heard about him punishing Prometheus for stealing fire, creating Pandora and in her infamous box back in episode five. And who could forget the collaboration with his big brother, Poseidon, in episode nine, where Zeus got fed up with mankind for all the human sacrifice and other decadence and decided to flood nearly the whole world in rage. So you take all those stories together you yes. know. without Hera, it gives us a wide range of, of, of lessons. So first, if you're a beautiful woman, beware of seductive animals of any, of any kind. Right. Um, if you're the parent of a student driver, you know don't let him take the nice chariot out for a spin. <laughs> that could not end well. Um, above else, just don't try to outwit Zeus. For better or worse, he does always find a way to win, unless Hera finds a way to uh, to disrupt that. And you know, so honestly, at this point, I think we've covered all of his greatest hits, all the big Zeus myths, uh, but for one, which we're actually going to save for the end of this segment. So, uh, before we get to the tale of Ixion. Um, why don't you regale us with a couple of other tales of Hera on her own? I think you've got a few that we haven't talked about.
0: I do, I do. Uh, So, you know, not every story about Hera is directly related to her relationship with Zeus. Um, But I did find a a couple that weren't. So, as we'll find later, one of the biggest centers of Hera's worship was Argos, which is a Greek mainland city uh, between Athens and Sparta. And somewhat similar to the story with Athena and Athens, uh, there was a contest between Hera and Poseidon for the loyalty of Argos. Uh, we don't get a lot of details on that, but Hera was awarded the city of Argos uh, by the local river gods. They do not have mm-hmm. democracy in Argos, so uh, they let the river gods decide. And Poseidon, in his typical way... Uh, retaliated by drying up the rivers of Argos. Sure. Uh, but then in compromise, uh, during the rainy season, they will fill up again, but become ditches <laughs> in the dry season uh, because of the wrath of Beside. Right. So, but that connection to Argos did put Hera in the unusual position for her in mythology of being a helper deity when it came to Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, Yes. So Hera is very much an aid to Jason, very much is on his side, rooting for him to get that golden fleece uh, with the Argonauts. And so Hera and Athena team up at one point to save the Argonauts' boat from a group of clashing rocks uh, Mm. that are in the middle of the Black Sea, apparently, or were at that time. So from Valerius Flaccus' Argonautica, he tells us, the rocks meet together now and again back and forth the battered cliffs headlong flight over the sea twice clashed together cliff with cliff and rock with rock twice shown the flame in the upward flung spray so big dramatic they're just rocks in the middle of the ocean clashing together right and the argonauts aren't paying a lot of attention just kind of blunder (laughs) into the middle of this and so then hera and athena have to spring into action and it said, and again, from uh, the Argonautica, he says, Hereupon Hera and Pallas Athena leap sheer down from the sky upon the rocks. This one, the daughter of Zeus, that one, the, his spouse, constrains the rocks, even as one who with brawny strength thrusts down beneath the yoke toward their bellies the unwilling horns of a bull. So that last uh, sentence, you know, maybe that last metaphor, maybe doesn't translate as well in the 21st century, but... <laughs> Back in the second century, that was right. a killer. Yes. Apparently, I looked this up and apparently it has something to do with holding down the head of a bull in order to yoke them to a plow, which okay. I imagine is prob- probably something I couldn't do. So, No, definitely
2: not. No, I probably a more in-demand skill back then, but uh, yes. no, yeah. forget it. I, I would yeah. not be useful Hold at all. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: definitely have to hire that one out. So, <laughs> you know, then later on the return trip, uh, Hera outsources her jason saving tasks to medea yeah. who is a princess sorceress and in this case uh Hera goes to aphrodite it says can you help me get medea to fall in love with jason mm-hmm. so that we can use her sorcery to keep saving this guy right and so that's what happens and so for the rest of the trip uh it's basically just Medea saving jason and the argonauts again and again so <laughs> I kind of admire, you know, her, her ability to delegate on that and the efficiency of that move. Absolutely. She didn't want to keep coming to his aid. But then in another epic, the Aeneid, Hera returns to a more uh, traditional role of antagonist and violent, but largely indirect tormentor. So in this case, uh, the title character of the Aeneid, Aeneas, um, is the object of her wrath, in part because he was a Trojan and she's still mad about that golden apple sure. uh, that she didn't get. So right. it's maybe something for us to <laughs> us to consider. Yep. Give us a little pause. Uh, but but also uh, Hera was a patron of the city of Carthage, apparently, and she foresaw bad things for Carthage uh, if Aeneas was able to found the city of Rome, which is what she, he was prophesied to do. Right. So she tries to set out to stop that. And her first move is she sends violent winds against Aeneas and his fleet in order to force them away from Italy so they can't land there and force them to Carthage. And then she teams up with Aphrodite, who is the mother of Aeneas, to, to ship uh, Aeneas and uh, the queen of Carthage, Dido, and get them in relationship, thereby hoping to keep him in Carthage mm. and stop the, the founding of Rome. Mm-hmm. But Zeus does come into this one at this point. Uh, yeah. uh, he's not having it because, <laughs> according to Virgil, he you know he really wants that great Augustus guy uh, to eventually yes. become emperor.
2: No, uh, no uh, agenda at all in telling that story that way.
0: No, no. Uh, and and he's also, I assume, looking forward to uh, that gladiator movie with <laughs> Russell Crowe that's going to yes. be coming out in about three thousand years. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know. He compels Aeneas to leave Dido, uh, who the queen of Carthage, and go to Italy, and ironically, it is this breakup that starts the enmity between Carthage and Rome because Dido curses Aeneas and all of his followers forever, yeah, so again, fate has a way of fulfilling itself, so. it sure so. does <laughs> All right, so you were yeah so, so that's what I have on them sort of you know separately yeah. um you had something on on ixion
2: yeah and this is this you know, i this was new to me i'd never heard this one before it's a it's a weird one but kind of fascinating in its way and it has sort of a, a, an unusual ending uh that i did not see coming so ixion is the the king of the Lapiths, which is the most ancient tribe of, of thessaly in greece uh and he marries uh dia who is the daughter of a princess daughter of king dionysus And as part of the marriage, Ixion promises his father-in-law a valuable present. So this is what they used to call the bride price. So kind of like a reverse version of the dowry that would happen in some situations. So he promises this gift to the king, uh, but Ixion eventually just reneges, does not pay the bride price. Just says he's going to, and he doesn't. Uh, So the king, King Dionysus, understandably upset by this, um, not going to take it sitting down. So he seeks a little bit of revenge on his new son-in-law by stealing some of Ixion's horses. Okay. okay, so the son-in-law, father-in-law relationship already not going great for the young couple, but still fairly modest. You know, I won't give that gift. Maybe you take a couple of my horses. Ixion takes it in strides. Not going to get too upset about the horses. He hides his resentment, and he decides to invite his father-in-law to a feast at Larissa, which of course is the capital of Thessaly, his his home region. So the king, you know, they're gonna they're going bygones be bygones. The king arrives the feast. His son-in-law Ixion greets him and pushes him into a bed of burning coals, killing him instantly. <laughs> now this, for me, this escalated very quickly. Yeah, very, very quickly, yeah. You got the, the, the bride price, you got the horses, suddenly a fiery death. Now, what's important to note is this is a huge violation of something called xenia, which is the Greek concept of, in our kind of translation, guest host relations. Right. You just don't invite a man to a feast and throw him into a fire. Just, it's just <laughs> it's, not done. It's, it's bad form. Terrible manners, a terrible xenia. Now Ixion, after committing this crime, then just goes mad, and even his fellow princes refuse to perform what they normally would do—these sort of cathartic rituals that would cleanse him of his guilt. Since he's royalty, uh, they refuse to do that. He's insane, so they—he ends up just being shunned by society. He kind of lives as an outlaw. He's almost like an ancient Arab version of OJ, if you like, uh, but without the legendary accomplishments in football and acting. So you know, no Heisman's, no Nordberg, just terrible terrible manners around an extended family member so despite being the social outcast and this pariah there's one guy who takes pity on old Ixion, the guy who also has a complicated view of right and wrong who may have burned a bridge or two in his own day who sees another man using fiery death to settle a score and thinks yeah maybe this guy maybe he deserves a second chance and of course that guy is, is zeus himself right so Zeus not only takes pity on Ixion, he actually kind of welcomes him into his home. He invites him to Olympus. He introduces him at the the table of the gods, despite him being such a pariah. Um, How does Ixion respond to this kind gesture from Zeus? Well, immediately, his first step is to lust after Hera, Zeus's wife. After being invited to his home, being introduced to the gods, another gross violation of guest host relations. So Zeus... Here's where he has to get crafty. So Zeus decides to create, he creates a cloud in the shape of Hera. And then he tricks Ixion into coupling with this Hera-shaped cloud. Now, it's a bit of magic how he does this. They get together, Ixion and the cloud. And somehow this union of Ixion and fake Hera cloud creates a child Uh, named Centaurus, who ends up engendering the entire race of of centaurs, the half-man, half-horse creatures. Um, So even though Ixion, you know, his lust was expressed on a cloud who was shaped like Zeus's wife that Zeus himself created for this purpose, Zeus still feels the need to punish him even further. So naturally, after this, he kicks him out of Olympus, hits him with a thunderbolt on his way out, of course, And then he orders a special punishment. He asks Hermes or directs Hermes to bind Ixion to a wheel with wings and fire. So this burning solar wheel, they called it, uh, that spins for all eternity as a punishment, first across all the heavens, then it lands in the underworld and spins down there. So perhaps, and we've talked about Zeus's creativity, perhaps the ultimate act of creativity, he was able to devise a wheel even less entertaining than the Wheel of Fortune. Uh, And somehow was in operation for even longer. So we don't really have a story of how Hera reacted to this whole affair. It's, it's a rare treat for her in a way, because for once she's the object of lust. Zeus is the one who's kind of left high and dry. I gotta believe that she kind of admired Zeus for that moment. She kind of admired just the inventiveness of it all. And in my mind, every time that she would catch a cloud that looked a little bit like her in the sky, that she would smile and think, you know, in his own strange, creepy way that <laughs> Slammy old bastard really stood up for his beloved seventh final wife <laughs> through the ancient art of cloud-based deception. Now that's, <laughs> yes, that's love. So uh, I think you've got one final tale uh, to cap off the journey of, of Zeus and Hera before we, uh, we take a breather and get to our categories. Do you, do yep. you
0: not? I do. I do and do. And you know, this is kind of in the reconciliation round. Um, so at some point, uh, and we don't really know when this came up, uh, Hera had just had it with Zeus, you know, understandably. All, all the infidelities <laughs> and, and, and you know, got, maybe got tired of the reve- elaborate revenge plots. They just sure. felt a little bit stale. So yeah. she left him. Mm. Despite being the goddess of marriage, she leaves him. And immediately, Zeus is distraught, and, and he tries to get her back. Now, we're not given a lot of details about how he initially attempts this, uh, but my guess is the first eight or nine attempts probably involve turning himself into some sort of livestock. <laughs> yeah. But she's a little beyond that at this point. Uh, I, so
2: I know these tricks.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so once once that fails, uh, he goes to the local mountain god, Catheron for advice, um, which is local to where where Hera has separated herself to, and so Catheron tells Zeus, you know issue a sincere apology, pledge to change ways, maybe go for a little couple counseling. No, no actually, that's not, that's not what he says <laughs> at all. Enough. What he says is, yeah, no, no, not at all. No, uh, this is mythology. So what he does tell him to do is marry someone else. And he how with the Princess Plataea? And so we get this via Parcenaeus. And he says, Hera heard the news at once and at once appeared on the scene. But when she came near the wagon and tore away the dress from the image she was pleased at a deceit finding it was a wooden image and not a bride at all and was reconciled to zeus so what he really has done is he's had a woman carved of wood (laughs) and staged a fake wedding wow in order to make hera jealous and it works and she comes down And, you know, and this jealousy has reignited her love for Zeus, and she returns to him. And, uh, you know, I assume they both had a good laugh together about the wooden uh, image. (laughs) And then uh, Pausanias tells us uh, that in his time, uh, when he recorded that, that uh, Plataea, fake marriage, uh, where that took place, there was a regular festival to honor the occasion, uh, which culminated in the burning of a wooden bride statue, <laughs> remember that and, time, <laughs> and a sacrifice of a cow to Hera and a bull to Zeus.
2: Oh, that's uh, that's that's heartwarming, you know. I, I, I the 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 ultimate act of creativity doesn't have to take the form of a flame or an animal. It's just a simple wooden statue, and it gets, it pulls on the heartstrings. Well done, yeah,
0: yeah. So, and and this version, of course, gives us a little bit of the implication. You know, that the roaming of Zeus and the jealousy of Hera were, you know, a part of their particular love language as deeply, (laughs) deeply dysfunctional as it was. And with that, I believe we're going to take a break and we're going to move on to our rounds and uh, maybe give out a golden
2: apple here. That is correct. Let's just take a quick breather and uh, back in just a few for those five categories. All right. And we
0: are back, part of our five rounds, uh, to decide who's going to win this golden apple and move on to our final contest. And our first round, as always, is Immortal Combat. We have a physical confrontation uh, between the two gods. So I'll go first. Um, You know, it's not real comfortable, real happy talking about a physical (laughs) confrontation between a husband and wife. No it's not you know we've had brothers before uh, sure. i think uh mars and dionysus apollo and vulcan mm-hmm. you know, we had uncle heracles against his nephew Aristeus. uh hecate and, and artemis are literal same versions of themselves yeah. fighting so that was sort of a some sort of split <laughs> was, personality thing very bad. Uh, but you know this this for obvious uh cultural reasons is a little less comfortable yeah some con- connotations. so you know we'll try to be sensitive about it but and Matt's going to talk about Zeus and, I, and I'll just, uh, give, you know, kind of what Hera has, you know, so physically Hera is no joke. You know, she can wrestle autokinetic sea boulders, uh, just <laughs> yeah. like a, str- as like a strong dude, yoking
2: a bull or something. <laughs> That's not nothing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She, she, and you will recall that, uh, in the Iliad, she takes on Artemis and whacks her over the head with her own bow, sending right. her crying to her mother that's right so you know a goddess first goddess battle um now on the downside she she tends to go for overly complicated lines of attack mm. you know floating islands snake monsters and such which I think can, can kind of be a bit of a weakness <laughs> but I will say that there are different sorts of physical confrontations now in the Iliad there's a famous scene of Hera employing a very different kind of attack
1: mm.
0: now so she's eager to aid the Greeks in the Trojan War against Zeus's command Mm -hmm. so what Herod does is she gets herself all dolled up and basically just sort of walks by Zeus (laughs) and so uh this from from the Iliad says now he says now let us taste the joys of love for never has such desire for a goddess or mortal woman so gripped and overwhelmed my heart Not even when I was seized by the love for Ixion's wife.
1: Mm.
0: So then our smooth-talking king of the gods names eight different women that he cheated on Hera with and says that none of them were quite as attractive to him as Hera was at (laughs) that moment. I'm sure, you know, grinding her teeth. (laughs) Great, great compliment.
2: Really, really a smooth talker there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so grinding her teeth. Hera, Hera takes it as a compliment. And Zeus draws a cloud around them. Uh, and then they enjoy marital relations. Mm. Uh, and then as Zeus is in his sort of uh, post-relations relaxation mm-hmm. with the prearranged help of the king, or I'm sorry, the god of sleep, Hypnos, Hera puts Zeus to sleep so that she and the other gods can meddle in the Trojan War without uh, Zeus knowing about it. So
2: they Caught him at just the right time.
0: Yeah, so she she does in that... Uh, moment find one of uh zeus's main main weaknesses i should say yes so that's what i had for for hera and uh what do you have on zeus
2: well you know for all of hera's range you know maybe maybe it's a little bit too much in terms of the uh complicated nature of her schemes uh zeus in contrast pretty pretty single-minded in terms of his weaponry. that thunderbolt is really his go-to every time, uh, so he has. It is both. Uh, right. It does, doesn't show a ton of range, but it also is very precise and very effective. Uh, you know, interestingly, Zeus is essentially undefeated, really, in terms of h- holding on to power. I mean, there are little moments where it's like a sudden, quick little palace, palace skirmish, but it's quickly uh, done away with because everyone immediately sticks up for Zeus because he's the boss. So, even in little moments where his power is 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 briefly threatened. Uh, it's it's squashed right away. so we hear that we, you know we know zeus was a great warrior in terms of the beginning of his life before he kind of converted to full-time philandering uh, in in the, the defeat of the titans and of the giants. Um, interestingly i don't recall any stories of any actual physical confrontation with hera. i feel like those you know the actual a literal expression of this domestic violence i don't think we have a story of that. there was a respect there that that held back. um I also don't recall Zeus, I think he, when he would use a, a thunderbolt as a weapon, it was typically against a man, not to say that he was respectful to women across the board by any stretch. There was a great reduction right and a lot of that. Um, but in terms of physical force, uh, the thunderbolt was really all that was required. So I think in a one-on-one battle, I, it is, as we've t- discussed before, there is the there is the power and the weaponry, and there's the the, the willingness to use it. Right. I think in this case of Zeus, he has the power and the weaponry, he is willing to use it. I don't know if he would be willing to use it on Hera in that precise but, confrontation
0: right so there was uh you know, in the story of there was one rebellion that uh that is told that Hera fermented actually with Athena against uh Zeus, and he did punish her by by, by hang her from the heavens oh, okay. in that. so so he did
2: in so that, he but doesn't have a fully clean record there okay now he
0: does not have a fully clean record and that is part of the story of, of why Hera always goes after because she had to pledge to never rebel uh, I see. again interesting uh, so that explains a lot so that that is why she had to kind of go after the, the other targets but you know I think the question is you know so obviously Hera has the trick that's gonna can Zeus stay on task long enough Uh, To to complete about, you know, for the sake of a podcast with the rebellion, his his direct power was threatened. And and I was, uh, you know, seen as more of an existential threat for the sake of of, uh, exhibition match put on by an independent podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I You know, is he going to be able to focus if she shows a, a bare shoulder?
2: That's a great point. Or or, or even just to parade any number of nymphs in his field of vision, I think would be distracting enough. She, she has a very keen sense of his weak spot. And as you say, a demonstrable ability uh, to exploit it. Right. Hmm. So,
0: so, you know, I don't have, I I, I don't know that I think he's going to have the concentration to pull this off. So I I think I'm going to, I think that Hera is probably going to take this. I think
2: I I will. uh, It's a close call. I think I will go with Zeus on this. I I think you make an excellent argument. And I only give Zeus the edge because he also was willing, in a moment, to destroy the entire world <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is with true. the flood.
2: So I think, right. in, in the right moment of rage, I think he can be pushed to to even even great lengths. I'd like to think that Hera would be, the red line that he wouldn't cross, uh, in terms of that. But uh, I think just out of sheer power and sheer uh, ability to overtake another in the right, right frame of mind, I think I will give Zeus yeah, the I think edge. It, so we got a tie on comes this
0: down one. Yeah, we are tied on this one. I think it comes down to really, it does come down to that frame of mind and yeah, where where what headspace he's in.
2: That's or, right. But I would but, say that if anybody has a unique uh, window in which to uh, defeat, defeat Zeus, Hera would be the one to accomplish that for these reasons.
0: Right. All right. So that puts us on to our second round, Curriculum Deity, which mm-hmm. is, which God would you rather be? And which god would you rather worship? Who has that it factor? Yes. And uh you're gonna go first on this one, I believe.
2: Yeah, it, it, so being Zeus is, is a is a complicated matter. Of course, it's always tempting to be the boss, uh, but as they say, heavy hangs the crown. You know, it's a great deal of responsibility. As much as he is ruling over Olympus and and seemingly all powerful, uh, much of his his mythology is stories of having to fix things because the underlings just can't quite pull it off. Uh, so he is. He's always being pulled in every time there's a need for a judgment or, or any kind of, you know, big decision, uh, even though he he really wants to be a good manager and to delegate those kinds of things to his, uh, his divine cabinet. Uh, oftentimes he is still brought in to be the tie breaking vote and you sense a sense of almost frustration from that so. Uh, yes, you have the power and the authority, but I think there's also a, a drag that comes with that potentially. Um I think, you know, this, this installment makes it very clear as we've talked about all along, uh, Zeus has some serious demons, uh, even though yeah. he's had a, a good life and a life of privilege, uh, I would say he's probably our, our, our first, uh, diagnosed case of, uh, of sex addiction and maybe even, uh, the ultimate case study, um, right. could not find happiness. Clearly, you know, a lot of scattered offspring as a result of his, uh, his, his philandering leaves a lot of broken homes in his wake, um, you know i do i do have a warm spot that he did have Hera, throughout this so even though he was really unable to find anything lasting outside in the world uh he had various levels of relationship with his children from very close to to, to essentially not at all but Hera was always there so there's something to be said about that at least he did find it eventually um so being him some good and and, and some not so yeah. good um, in terms of following Zeus, you know, this clearly was 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 the marquee uh, figure to be worshipped throughout the land in the era. You know, the center of his worship, unsurprisingly, was Olympia, based you know in the in the, in the surroundings of Mount Olympus. And of course, you know, being the top tier entity, the big Kahuna of athletic contests uh, held every four years in Olympia. Yeah. Uh, you may have heard of it. It still does technically exist to this day uh, as the Olympic Games, even though. To me, it always seems like they're taking place in China now, but it, the, the Olympics technically <laughs> are still happening um, just with, uh, with smog and sleds and things. Um, to give you an idea of, of Zeus's popularity compared to other deities in terms of being worshipped, the altar to Zeus at Olympia, uh, normally the altars are made of stone For at one of these temples. The altar at Olympia was made from the ash of the accumulated remains of centuries worth of animal sacrifices. So there was hmm. so much worshiping that the ashes themselves formed the temple, formed the altar. Hmm. Uh, just to give you a sense of being far and above uh, the top of the heap there. Of course, unanimously beloved in in, in Crete, his, his island of his birth, his birthplace, essentially his hometown. And even as a bonus, uh, you know, where most oracles were devoted to Apollo, Zeus actually had a few oracles even in his name. So he had his own smaller but still present oracle franchise in the mix where nobody else but but his son apollo had that so pretty good good deal in terms of following zeus a lot of followers a lot of good fellowship you know the the ultimate in in four-year celebrations the ultimate in community and sacrifice a pretty strong case to be made there um probably a stronger case on follow than to be zeus right how about you
0: all right so on hera you know hera isn't portrayed as a particularly happy goddess. I think we can say that uh oh. pretty pretty unquestionably. Uh you know, and certainly not without reason. She had her reasons, but uh she has a philandering husband right uh, with illegitimate children and parthenogenic kid and <laughs> uh you know, not a great situation. No. Uh her relationship with her daughters and her son Ares, are somewhat okay. Mhm. Again, more complicated with Phaestus, though he does kind of come around. Um, you know, from that uh, bit in the Iliad uh, that I referenced before, we do get a little bit of description of Hera and her room on Olympus. We can kind of get a sense of of what it was like to be her. And this is from uh, from the Iliad. It says. She therefore went to the room fashioned for her by her dear son Hephaestus mm. and with its strong doors fitted to the doorposts uh <laughs> and its hidden bolt that no other god could open and then she cleansed every mark on her lovely body with gentle ambrosial oil if its scent was released in Zeus's palace it would spread through the heaven and earth and then she anointed her shapely form and combed her hair with plated glistening tresses, And she closed herself in ambrosial robe that Athena had worked smooth and skillfully embroidered. Um, you know, it goes on to describe, she's got some really blingy earrings and a hundred tasseled belt. You know, so she's got kind of the accoutrement of a queen. She's got a nice palace. Yeah. She's got fancy clothes, ambrosia all around, you know.
2: You got the doors hanging right there on the doorposts. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's,
0: you know, and she... <laughs> And again, she had De Festus, you know, best craftsman crafting oh. a room, and she even had Athena, uh, that uh, parthenogenic daughter, had to make her a dress. You know, yeah. so she took a, she took a little advantage, at least of being being the queen.
2: That passage reads very much like almost a Harlequin romance novel. a <laughs> soft caressing of the beautiful skin. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If
0: I'd gone really into the details, that that is leading up to that uh, seduction of Zeus. That that is the, <laughs> okay. the thing right before. All right, that, uh, makes that sense seduction. Now. So they're they're going into it. Um,
2: that wasn't just like a Tuesday night. So, at home. Was, um, yeah,
0: okay. No, no. That that was her getting ready to to just kind of basically just walk by Zeus uh, <laughs> with all her finery on and and uh, get things going. Yeah. So she she also does have her own herald. Uh, iris hermes is the herald of zeus iris who is the goddess of the rainbow is the herald of uh of hera um you know and for a time she had argos her hundred-eyed giant in a retinue until killed killed by hermes uh, but she's so distraught by him being killed that he was transformed into the first peacock and all the his eyes are actually on the tail yes. of the peacock nice so um and then she has a chariot a flying chariot that is pulled by peacocks
2: you know so
0: <laughs> that's not yeah impressive yeah, that's, that's not it's bad. a good so, right yeah but again she is constantly angry and scheming much of the time you know i get the sense a little bit that the scheming is you know it's a little bit her craft mm. <laughs> she she seems to maybe enjoy it because th- everything she does is is maybe a little bit more elaborate than it
2: actually needs to be a little showy yeah some some extra style points involved yeah
0: yeah but um maybe she needs to do it to you know to maintain plausible deniability with zeus but i feel like uh she you know she just kind of enjoys enjoys the scheming (laughs) uh so on the worship side it's it's not as as uh widespread as zeus but um she did have a, a a giant temple on the greek island of samos which is thought to be actually the oldest enclosed greek temple and older than any uh temple to zeus i assume because the oldest zeus as a sky god used to go you know full sky out in the open right (laughs) Uh, but uh but she had the oldest temple in greece uh that at least is known Uh, and there were the Horea games which were athletic competitions for female athletes Hmm so the female version of the Olympics because the Olympics at that time were male only. Um, there was that that um, festival I, I referenced early called the, the Dela, which was that remarriage uh, festival of Hera and Zeus. And then we haven't talked too much about the Rome Roman side, but in Rome, uh, Juno was considered part of kind of the triad of top deities that they worshiped, along with Jupiter and Mars. And she had a number of festivals in her honor throughout the year, uh, one of which was called the Matronalia. Hmm. And that was celebrated in February with a women-only procession uh, through the city to Juno's main temple. And then it ended up with sort of a Mother's Day holiday where the husbands had to give their wives gifts and uh, the daughters had to give them to their mother. And nicely, I suppose, the enslaved women in Rome had the day off for that, so.
2: I guess better than nothing, but still. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it still doesn't, a make up, yeah,
0: doesn't make up for everything, but yeah, it's something. Yeah. So, um, and of course, Hera was also a big deal in the city of Argos. And there was a big festival there uh, that involved pulling of a giant statue of Hera uh, through the town to her main temple. And that was usually uh, done by a couple of oxen uh, but then we get another story from uh, Pausanias uh, on this one, and it says that Hera absolutely had to be conveyed to her temple by a team of oxen, but their oxen had not come back from the fields in time. So two youths put the yoke upon their own shoulders under the constraints of time. They drew the wagon with their mother, the priestess, riding atop of it, traveling five miles until they arrived at the temple. So you know the whole temp the whole town is, is really uh, celebrating these two strong young young men. Uh, sure. The town holds a sacrifice and a dance, and then the mother of the two the youths, who who was a priestess of Hera, uh, goes to Hera, and uh, she prays to Hera, and and says, you know, can you do something for my boy? Something you know they, they pulled your your uh, statue this whole way. And Hera decides that the most beautiful thing for men that might come to them is their death. Oh, and come so, on. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, apparently it was Hera's conviction that for mortals, it was actually better to be dead than alive. So she, the two boys were died in their sleep that night.
2: That is leaving no good deed. Unpunished and that is, right and
0: that's what I have on Hera. Wow.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, so. I, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think all that put together i think I, I would have to give zeus my vote i think the 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 misery is as nice as her her surroundings seem to have been uh and while she did get joy in certain parts of her scheming uh just the sheer fact of living with somebody who is as philandering uh, as zeus is i think could make for a pretty miserable existence so while while zeus has his demons for sure uh, i think if i had to pick one i would still be him
0: well, yeah, some of this comes down. Would, would you want to live with Zeus or be Zeus? So. Yeah,
2: that's it. And I think I would rather be him. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I I think I'm not going to really call
0: it on the being, uh, you know, because I don't think I would really want to be either of them. But I think on the worship side, that is clearly tipped uh, to Zeus. Yeah. And obviously the, the the you know the Zeus of worship. Is a little bit different than the zeus of mythology even though that gets covered in, in, the, in the worship but I, I assume that what they're worshiping was more the law and order part yes. uh but uh but i'm gonna go with that so yeah, yeah i think the the worship for me tips it so we both for this round are gonna go on zeus so it is one for zeus and a tie and this brings us to a round that's gonna be a little tough this this episode <laughs> and that is good god which is just simply the character around right so um as i said <laughs> said in the opening Hera may get a little bit of a, a tough edit in the literature but you know there's a fair amount of, of of bad material to deal with she was she was dealt a bad bad hand and and not not clearly that she she played it that well but you know a little bit of the good so she was a protector of pregnant women and childbirth and and that's when she was often mm-hmm. prayed to is to yep. uh protect women and, and their babies during childbirth so uh and she was the goddess of marital good luck mm-hmm. which she did not have herself but <laughs> but doled it out <laughs> but doled it out so so uh to to her worshippers so you know and obviously there is a lot of bad because that that's the good uh Her frustration and anger uh, with Zeus's actions, you know, while they were understandable and, you know, she was at a power disadvantage with Zeus. It was the other women and children that were her target, um, you know, and and I guess this is a case of two wrongs not making a right. Right. Uh, Then there's the Trojan War where her being denied an apple uh, spurned her on to 10 years
2: (laughs) of revenge seeking when she already had a whole tree. Yeah. Of golden apples—that that never occurred to me. But yeah, that was really uh, just you know, asking that. a lot. It was really more of a pride thing, I would think.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, I mean, it definitely <laughs> was, was was more of a pride thing. It was mean, not not the actual uh, apples, but um, you know. So I, I don't want to rehash every torment that she unleashed on a resume. You know, we, I think it's pretty well known at this point for anybody who follows our podcast. <laughs> but we'll just leave it at the Harris role was was nearly always as the antagonist of. Human heroes and humanity in general in, mm-hmm. in myth. So uh, you know, not a lot going on in the good. So what do you have?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, often in this category we use the term mixed bag, and I think it's certainly true here. Uh, Zeus is no exception. Yeah. I think in in, but it's a front loaded good with a lot of bad after it. So the you know the front loaded good being obviously establishing yeah. Olympus, fighting those wars, setting up a great society and giving, you know, fathering all of these sort of essential divine elements of the universe as we know it, uh, but then quickly just pivoted and reverted to to, to the art of uh, the erotic shenanigans, punctuated by sudden unpredictable bloodlust. Uh, right. Some combination of those two, um, you know, certainly terrible to women on the whole. I think there were a few instances where there were some, some, some moments of, of romance, but for the most part, huge power dynamic problems. Um, whether yeah. he was taking the form of uh, an animal, fire, rain, whatever, um, and yeah, really re- did a lot less in the way of good for the majority of his life. Once he set up shop and became the authority figure, right? Ah, uh, so not great, and and especially when you consider how it's almost as though the the actions of one of these of this couple really did kind of feed off the negativity of the other. Yeah. And when and but they are as we said at the beginning they're they're somewhat inseparable,
0: right, so right? It's
2: really hard to isolate the character of one from the other because they're almost magnifying the worst possible parts of
0: you. Yeah, yeah, they they really, they really do play into each other, and you know with those stories on the, you know some of the one of the interesting things and I don't know if, uh, you know when people have read as much Greek mythology as we have now after twelve episodes, <laughs> realize, But there's different versions of, of each of these stories, and, and there's the right. worst versions and and the not as bad version then and, and with uh zeus's uh infidelities you know there, there's ones that are can go kind of either way but it, none of them are ever really good no just how bad how bad really kind of is it yeah so you know and i and i, I kind of mentioned this uh earlier so you know the problem of good and evil uh or the problem yes. of evil Problem. Um, so yes the problem of evil and in the religious and philosophical sense so you know what this means is 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 a question for for religion and philosophy like why does so much bad and evil stuff happen and mm-hmm. it's you know kind of a particular problem for monotheistic religions right you know if god is all good and all po- all powerful why do bad things keep happening
2: right
0: you know, and the people fall back into you know, oh, God has mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's testing us, sure. you know, by sending this plague or whatever. But it's still something that polytheistic religions have to explain. And, and to me, kind of, it sort of dawned on me that this relationship between Zeus and Hera goes a long way of explaining why bad things <laughs> kept happening yes. in the Greco-Roman uh, religion. So it's just, basically, it's a world headed by a dysfunctional couple yes a dysfunctional family and that's that's kind of maybe how they thought of things but uh you know as you said they both share the blame in in different ways uh but they feed off they fed off each other and and you know kind of created much of the bad that actually
2: happened yeah and if Uh, if you're gonna have like a, a dysfunctional mother and father then that family beneath them is bound to be a fruit of that poison Yes. And so essentially, if all of us are the children beneath that dysfunctional parent, like in a way, they're the kind of responsible for the world being <laughs> as troubled as it is right now. This this is true. So, yes, and, and and
0: of course, our purpose is to save this troubled world. So, yes. you know, I think uh, where does that leave us? So the other thing is is arguably, you know, they had their chance. They they led at least the Mediterranean world for you know a thousand years. That's right. And didn't do a bang up job by by, by most no. accounts.
2: So, <laughs> so we actually have data of what happens when they are in charge, and that's it's not great. It's a <laughs> lot of problems, and yes, slavery think, war. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I you know, and it did not last. Clearly, it uh, it faded, it faded off into to obsolescence at uh, around the the time of uh, the fall of these various empires. I don't know if uh, these. They, we, we might consider just disqualifying both of them. I think, based on this logic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: neither. I, I, I can't see. It. I think we have to prevent any chance that they come out of this in the end. But for, for the process to, to maintain its integrity, yes. Uh, I think just just cutting it off now is is the way to go. So, <laughs> so folks, we have a first. I think. I think if we're agreeing on this. Yes. If we're agreeing, on, I, 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 I think that that. There's not going to be a winner in this round, <laughs> this episode.
2: I, I think it is uh, a double disqualification. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Yes. So we'll, for the first time in God versus God history, we will walk away without a winner. <laughs> we will. We will. For this reason. So, I think that's good logic. I agree with that assessment.
0: All right. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm absolutely agreed on that because I was like, is there a way we could get it to a tie and just sort yeah. of not? But no, I, th- I think that that's, I think disqualification is the way to go. I like it. So- we still have two rounds. We, <laughs> we got
2: we to respect the process, right?
0: We do have to respect the process. You know, we've had rounds where by this point, the winner was obvious. We still kept going. We, we've always, like sometimes you know, the movie, when we get to uh, matinee idol, right? we al- already know who has come out on top, but we've always gone through with it. And I think we should do that in this case also. Absolutely. So <laughs> for pro forma, for... Uh, <laughs> Record-keeping only, please yes. no wagering. <laughs> um, we're going to go on to iconography, and I believe you have the first on this one.
2: Yes. So, you know, Zeus has been, at least in the, in the on the screen, has been portrayed by a really top-notch series of actors. I mean, you got, you got Lawrence Olivier in the original Clash of the Titans. you got Liam Neeson on the remake. <laughs> Rip Torn in the Disney uh, animated Hercules. you got Sean I did Bean. did know that. Yeah, Sean Bean in Percy Jackson movie most recently of course the aforementioned russell crowe in thor love and thunder which just came out this summer and uh, i don't know if you've you've seen that yet it's it's a it's a polarizing performance i've talked to some folks who find it very entertaining and almost to the point of absurdity i found the the -the (laughs) over-the-top greek accent that he affects (laughs) in this film to be to make his scenes nearly unwatchable so uh, viewer beware i believe it is on disney plus as of uh, today So uh, you can, you can check that out, but uh, if nothing else, you know, Zeus has been a a common fixture in a lot of these movies played by great actors. Um, You'll also recall, I I believe you'll probably have a memory of the Arnold Schwarzenegger as Zeus uh, brief cameo in a Super Bowl just last year in an ad. Uh, Do you recall what ad, what, what, what company that ad was for? BMW. Oh, very, very good. See, I, (laughs) I, I I had to look that up and I actually make ads sometimes. So that's uh, (laughs) I'm glad that you, you rem- remembered that. Yes. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed because it was, it was, there was a leak with him as Zeus. It seemed right. like it was almost a, a, a cinematic approach, but no, just a Super Bowl commercial. So, um, you know, the name Zeus has a lot of sort of a lot of presence in the arts. It is at once a, a Canadian indie rock band called Zeus. There is an Italian math rock band, um, which is styled <laughs> with an exclamation point. So it is actually pronounced Zeus. Did you say math rock band? I did math rock. Yes. <laughs> Are you aware of that subgenre? Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is a thing. Yeah, uh, and there is a there's Zeus is the name of a rapper from uh, Botswana. I was not aware of that particular artist or, or or subgenre, but based on his name, I presume he must be the best at it. Um, <laughs> it is also the name of both an American wrestler and a Japanese wrestler. Um, and Zeus was the name of the world's tallest dog, a Great Dane from. <laughs> Ostego, Michigan, who on his hind legs was seven feet, five inches tall. Wow. That is 2.26 meters for those other kind of measurers, but <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, sadly, the dog Zeus uh, died of old age at the ripe old age of five um, a few years back. <laughs> and in yeah. terms of, of of boys' names, you know, Zeus, very low on the totem pole, only 1,147th, uh, which means about one out of every 10,693 baby boys born born in 2021. Carried the name Zeus. Understandably, it's rare. That's that's a lot to live up to. You yeah. know, you're coming in hot with a name like that. Uh, beyond that, you know, we see obviously as Jupiter, we've got the planet. We've got, you know, some of those various accoutrements. But for the most part, pretty strong presence in the silver screen and, you know, the occasional typical selection of missile launchers, submarines, asteroids, and and what have you. Uh, but, a, but a pretty strong presence, as you'd expect from the king of gods. All right
0: all right uh so you know i'm gonna start with the roman side because that's actually the, the stronger one for for Hera, uh because of course we have the month of june yes is named for juno that's so yes. you know one of a 12 again yeah <laughs> uh, so that's that's a pretty big get and the name june is you know the 200th most popular uh girl's name uh-huh. And uh, the U.S. and Juno is 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 less popular, but it's actually uh, in the top, I believe, four hundred in Great Britain. So it gets it's a little bit of uh, play there. Okay. Uh, and then there is of course the Juno spacecraft, uh, which is a probe mm. of Jupiter. So a little mm-hmm. little play on that, and yeah. is currently doing a flyby of eo and europa and managing to torment them in some way i was gonna say
2: the white wall and the same dinner party up there yeah yeah so uh now the canadian music
0: industry uh their premier awards are the juno awards and uh there is in a couple of smaller things you have a uh, juno brand lighting so a lot of light fixtures mm-hmm. named after her that's all nice right. Uh, then Juno Beach mm. in World War II, that is one of the beaches for D-Day—was mm. Juno Beach, and the original code name, interestingly enough, of this was Jellyfish. Oh, but then all of, and then there was Swordfish, and all—they were all named for fish. But um, then they got shortened; the fish was dropped. And Winston Churchill considered the name Jelly to be too silly for. Yes. Of course, this important battle. Yes. So he's the one who changed it to Juno. You know, gotta be attentive to those element.
2: little details. That's right. Tone yes.
0: matters. <laughs> style. Yeah, style points. Um, uh, yeah. so Juno Alaska Alaska is uh named for a French explorer, but his name is a gender-neutral uh mm-hmm. French version of Juno. So then on the Greek side, we get there's a Hera makeup line, which you, when you Google Hera, that comes up. A lot because they make a lot of different products Mm. uh and of course there is a a line of rifles uh german-made rifles the hera um there is the hera calendar app for people who do a lot of virtual meetings okay something people to look forward to that (laughs) you know on in in popular culture you know occasionally she she will appear you know in those kind of usual suspect type uh movies clash of the titans those sorts of things uh but Occasionally, there'll be some Hera standalone projects, a little more obscure. Hmm. I found a couple of them that I thought were interestingly interesting enough to at least uh, mention. And there is a Korean movie called Hera Purple. Hmm. And this is about a woman who goes to a psychologist, and she is hypnotized. And in her hypnotic state, she has flashbacks of Black Widow-like murders that she committed recently while being possessed by the Greek goddess Hera. Wow. And then, so apparently, uh, the review I read of this said is a confusing, confusing bit of editing, and uh, they also follow a group of detectives who are investigating the murder. Uh, but you know, so, so that's out there. People are interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So then there is a book called uh, Queen Hera, and and then it says uh, this is about Hera. and it says, as Queen Hera has no cho- choice. She must lead a team of gods to the mortal world to search for the missing goddesses, even though it means temporarily becoming mortal herself, but mortality begins to change Hera, affecting how she thinks, how she feels. And it gets much worse after she meets Justin, a boy who defies every prejudice she once had about mortals. So that is, that is Hera, Queen of the Gods by T.D. Uh, Thomas and has four and a half stars on 115 reviews on amazon so well, in
2: terms of mortals you don't get much more mortal than justin
0: <laughs> yes there you go uh so uh yeah that that's that is uh when i had it's it's probably not as much as zeus i think we could pro- probably yeah, say probably say that not. i mean, the, a
2: pretty good standing good nice spread yeah yeah i mean the month of june that ain't nothing good. yeah yeah
0: pretty good <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, I, I think we got to go with, uh, with Zeus on this I one. I
2: think Zeus does take the cake, if in fact either was still eligible. But for, for scorekeeping purposes, is, for, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. And this moves us on to uh, the movie round. Yes. And this is Matinee Idol. So, um, and I will go first here. And this is who would make the best movie or limited series um, category that we've seemed to liberalize a little bit.
2: I mean, it is, it is subject to much creative interpretation. Yes.
0: Yes. As we've gone on. Uh, So, you know, I will say as, as the center of a movie, it's kind of hard to see Hera as the hero. Mm. Uh, But, you know, I also think, Given the circumstances that she has to deal with, it's not quite right to see her as a pure villain either. Mm-hmm. So she's maybe something of an anti-heroine, and that's kind okay. of the direction that I went with us. Yeah. You know, a woman who who's been done done wrong and is is lashing out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would set this. And I would set Mount Olympus. So it's still Mount Olympus, but I'm going to set it in a kind of JFK-style White House. Mm where zeus is kind of a jfk madman madman type figure Mm -hmm. uh, of that time and hera is styled as jackie kennedy Mm -hmm. with uh, the pink chanel suits the pillbox hat that kind of thing yeah uh we put zeus's affairs mostly off screen but we kind of see the other women uh through hera's eyes as social climbers getting many of them getting vain about their connection to the king of the gods uh see if a few of her revenge plots um and i was kind of thinking you'd have this with much of Hera's dialogue is is given to her poor daughter hebe who kind of has to kind of go along with this is caught between these two parents right and platia her her once wooden rival who has been turned into her silent confidant so <laughs> <laughs> uh and then uh you know we got her anger It's it's real but you know, we also see her plotting and she's kind of a uh a, a, a bit of a joker type figure. Mm-hmm. And we could show episodes like Io, who I would have done up kind of as a Marilyn Marilyn Monroe sure. figure, and instead of her being turned into a cow, she's maybe turned into a 1963 Chevrolet Corvette, <laughs> which Hara demands from her husband, and he gives her and he gives her because he can't think of an excuse not to right uh and then she she uh has driven around by her hundred-eyed henchman <laughs> argus uh you know we we set up another starlet uh who gets to see the full zeus in the mm. samil mode um and then the sense is you know both the Hera knows how far she can go with with these plots and zeus sort of Enjoys it too. It's a little bit of a the game they play, a little bit of the love language. Sure. You know, and sort of the culmination is uh, the birth of Heracles uh, and his torments, again, seen through Hera's eyes. Right. Uh, but you realize that she's actually not trying to kill him. Hmm. She, she's just trying to set these tests up. And her purpose is to eventually bring about his apotheosis and the marriage to her daughter, Hebe. And because this is a, a, a thing that actually w- was rumored in Greek mythology that after uh, Heracles and his apotheosis, in order to get Hera to relent, Zeus pledged, uh, gave an oath to give up mortal women from then on. And so that is part of her, her plot yeah. there is to get him to leave them alone that's right uh that's for her, her victory of a sort um and uh casting i had eva green eva green as hera kind of pull off that sinister but beautiful mm. uh plotting figure so. nice all right very good that,
2: i yeah that's got a really kind of a retro sexy feel to it it captures a lot of that erotically charged conflict and yet uh through two full yeah. fleshed out characters yeah i like it well i was looking at an interpretation that was slightly different here now you know i mentioned at the very beginning of this installment that zeus is both the god of law and order and as <laughs> such he holds divine authority over both the policing and the prosecution of crimes now since i just said zeus appeared in lots of in his traditional form in many movies and video games and everything else so as such i suggest something a little different i think i'm thinking a new spinoff of a vaunted Television franchise, Law and Order Special Zeus Unit. So, in this, the God of Gods, he works the hard scrabble streets of present day New York City, seeking out crime that mortal beat detectives just cannot, uh, you know, detect. Um, as we've heard earlier, Zeus is quite proficient, of course, at taking on different forms to get what he wants. And normally, he uses those abilities for his erotic escapades, but since such matters do not exist in the Law and Order universe. <laughs> In this show, each installment gives us a new application of that talent for purposes of law enforcement. So perhaps he assumes the form of a pigeon and overhears a critical tip-off before a bank robbery. Maybe he kicks the shape of an alleyway tire fire and gets a step closer to, <laughs> to busting an organized crime ring. Or in a surrealistic twist, Zeus disguises himself as a switchblade and delivers an open and shut case because not only can he produce the murder weapon, he is the murder weapon. <laughs> Very meta. Now, as a recall, the police are just one part of the separately separate yet equally important groups that represent the people mm-hmm. in our criminal justice system. Unlike the characters in the Dick Wolf series, Zeus is responsible for both sides. So each week in my series, he's also the prosecutor who then must try each case in the second half of the show. Now, because of his shape-shifting as his detective, some episodes are going to involve prosecuting alleged crimes that are committed by other animals. So... <laughs> These are in the style of law and order, can be even ripped from the headlines. So, you've got, for instance, the Subway Pizza Rat, you know, accused of, of stealing that slice and dragging it down the stairs. Verdict: guilty. That you've got a Central Park Finch who is accused of pooping on that uh, the racist lady who called the cops on that guy for birdwatching while black. Verdict: justifiable defecation. Yeah. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> Uh, But most of the cases are going to remain of the human variety. Uh, So Zeus is going to have to take on a human form to be in a court of law. Uh, But as we know, he cannot go full Zeus, or it'll be too much for the judge, the jury, the mortals, anything else to handle. So each week, as prosecutor, he takes on the form of a beloved fictional attorney. Uh, cycling through the greatest hits of, of television and film. So the LA Law Gang, Ally McBeal, Matlock, to Perry Mason, all the way back to Atticus Finch. Every week, there's a new beloved attorney that Zeus will embody to uh, to do his prosecution. And since the justice system also requires that the accused have a vigorous and fair defense, the defense attorneys are also played by various gods, which gives us a chance to revisit the performances we've envisioned throughout this season of God versus God. So you got <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. as lo- lawyer Dionysus, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger as attorney Heracles, Jared Leto as, as Counsel Apollo, Uma Thurman as Aphrodite Esquire, and yes, in a bizarre crossover of billions, a prosecution side cameo from Paul Giamatti as the U.S. attorney <laughs> version of Cupid, CGI, baby body, and all. Now, I think you'll agree. <laughs> the possibilities really are endless. Now, in a fitting twist, uh, Prosecutor Zeus draws every week the same judge in every case, and of course that is her honor, the queen of the bench. That's Hera herself. <laughs> uh, played by by your casting by Ava Green, was that right? Yes. Yeah, so we'll have mm-hmm. what's over there. Perfect, perfect match. So it shows you every week at the end of the final, the final closing scene that even though Zeus can pull the strings on both sides of the criminal justice system, in the end as is so often the case, Hera ultimately calls the shots. So that is Law & Order, special Zeus unit coming on NBC on uh, the one night that doesn't have a Law & Order installment already. It <laughs> still, still exists. All right. I even put the lightning bolt at the end to uh, make it extra Zeus-y. <laughs> So right. a couple of different takes, I would say. Yeah, uh, I think both some pretty compelling uh, television and film there. Yeah, very different, very different. Um,
0: yeah how how to how to judge this one? So, I I think I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna give it to Hera on this one. Uh, you know, I think the sort of you know have that the seeing things from her side is a is a new perspective on, on those yes. on those traditional myths, and also seeing sort of that uh, charged. Relationship between them of of love and hate, yes. uh, going back and playing playing out sort of uh, goes with the theme of, of this whole whole show that we we've uh, put together here.
2: Yes, so. I I will I will double that vote. I think uh, yours makes for a much more sophisticated telling of the story, <laughs> uh, far less absurd, a lot less in the way of talking animals and, uh, and, and that, the, celebrity cameos. Points for talking animals always, but. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess
0: that will wrap it up, will it not? I believe it will. So we have again no winner. So we're going to go into our next episode, uh, which is not going to be a head-to-head with um, our eleven winners who are going to battle it out, and we're going to pick from those our top three each for each of our five categories, and they're going to receive points in descending order. Uh, You know, we're going to put this all together. We we haven't. I certainly haven't thought this all the way through. I'm going to have to sit down with a spreadsheet and figure out who won each episode. Yes.
2: Won well, each and I assume category. we'll both be revisiting all sort of 20 plus hours of material from the beginning. From, yes.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. The first breath all the way till now. So we have very considered choices. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then, so it'll be two part finale. First round will be we will each present our finalists, make our final argument uh, of who among the winners should win each category. We'll then see yep. who emerges as our top two. And then our grand finale, part two of the finale will be, as you said up front, new categories.
0: Yes, all new competition.
2: categories. Really, really craftily decided ones. I think it's going to be quite a finale. I'm very
0: yeah, like we're going to make, to make sure that we get the best candidate out to, to help us save this troubled world. Absolutely. Uh, you know, make sure the process is pure.
2: If we've learned anything this week, it's the way to do that is not by rehiring the people who got us into this mess in the first place. <laughs>
0: yes that's definitely true yeah so i think aaron from myth monsters uh yes. go listen to her show uh you know if you've listened to one of our episodes on a cross-country flight <laughs> you may have a little bit of time left over and you can listen to a couple of her episodes are very interesting and entertaining yes. uh, and so with that
2: yeah don't forget the uh thanks to andy snow for the theme music don't forget the uh all the socials the uh the official god versus god playlist on spotify don't forget to like subscribe tell your friends and all that good stuff and gear up two parts season finale coming up starting in a few weeks so we look forward to getting back to you then andrew thank you it's been a fascinating culmination of these stories to close the regular season (laughs) and uh look forward to uh, going out with a two-part bang in the very near future all right so long folks
0: Yep. I'm yeah. sorry.